0: And uh, let's turn in our Bibles this morning to the book of first Peter and um continue on here in the book of first Peter and we may turn again to some other places and uh maybe go to maybe Hebrews and back to exodus we had talked some time ago about um <clears throat> about the Lord delivering the people uh, out of egypt the he heard the cries of the people, the reason of their cruel taskmasters, and he heard the cries of his people and sent them a deliverer, sent them someone that would um, lead them uh, up out of Egypt, and so he sent Moses and um, uh, the meekest man on uh, all the earth. He was uh, uh, very, uh, didn't have a whole lot of self-confidence, and that's okay, uh, we have no confidence in the flesh. But the Lord used him and helped him to, um, by faith, uh, they applied the blood. And the wonderful thing about every time I read that story is there was no preconditions. Anybody that would apply the blood and partake of the Passover uh, was going. And so it didn't matter where they had failed, what they had done, where they had been. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And so there was no other uh, um, stipulations. You didn't have to have so much money. You didn't have to have be so clean or anything else. Whosoever will is the same gospel being preached today, right? Whosoever will. Uh, call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it was the same back then. But the Lord delivers them out of Egypt and uh, gets them uh, up out of that low land of sorrow and begins to lead them with a purpose. He didn't want to merely deliver them from Egyptians. And deliver them from bondage. Merely, he had a purpose in mind to get them to the promised land. One of them in Canaan land, and um, we know that being a type of the spirit-filled life. That's uh, uh, not a picture of heaven, uh, because when we get to heaven, there'll be no giants in that land. There'll be no battles where we put our feet. That land will be free from sin and sorrow and everything that will defile. There'll be no Canaanites in heaven. Uh, so Canaan, Canaan is not heaven, but uh, anyhow, that's the purpose. But there's a journey they go on uh, when they get delivered up out of Egypt, and we know the story how that certain ones wandered in the wilderness because by faith they didn't uh, want to believe God, and so they got out of Egypt, but they died murmuring and complaining, wandering unhappy and miserable in a wilderness. And uh, I believe there's Christians alive today that God will allow to just dry up and die and wander around murmuring and complaining and never enter into that land. Uh, but uh, anyhow, so I want to look in First Peter chapter number 4 is where we are now uh, and come on down through here and just kind of tie that in together with some things with Moses uh, because we had begun looking at going into the promised land and some of us, we had talked about how that we had been uh, spirit-filled before and felt like we were uh, wandering it back in the wilderness again. And uh, so I wanted to look, and we'll begin to go through and look. of It won't be any different getting back. As it was getting there the first time. Uh, It's to be the same thing, uh, to be the same process. And so we'll look at that because it's vital in our day that we be spirit filled Christians. It's a command, right? That's not a suggestion that if you want to be happy, uh, your happiness doesn't really, not that important. What is important is that we obey what we're commanded to do, and it's a command to be a field. Uh, And so we need to be filled. Now, uh, let's look at 1 Peter chapter number 4. We've just got through chapter number 3. We started uh, out in chapter 1 with the walk of the Christian. By chapter 2, we looked at the way to conduct ourselves. Uh, Verse chapter 3, the works that must continue. And we've just finished up with the washing of the conscience and showing that how, uh, what God's done for us in Christ is He's not just merely purified our flesh, but He's made us a new creature. Uh, he's fixed us up where we're different on the inside, and so now, uh, from inside out, uh, is how God works the uh, religion, which is what will happen in the latter days. We know we're in the last days, and the the world's answer will be religion. That'll be the devil's answer. Uh, Jesus' answer is not religion, it's regeneration, uh, and so his answer, though, in that day, in the last days, will be religion. See, say, well, the, the world doesn't look too religious. Well, Uh, That's through our eyes because we preach an exclusive gospel. Uh, it's very religious in, in, in many aspects. And if you look at this ecumenical movement being pushed by the Catholics and many other churches, they they want to make room for everybody. So the Catholics, and uh, they're kind of like the Masons. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's all the same God, no matter how you worship Him. It's just all the same. It's not the same. But that will be in the last days. It will be religious in the last days. We think, well, uh, we may not be in the last days because it doesn't look too religious. No, it's a lot more religious than you think. Um, There's people that are very religious. They just hate our gospel. They hate the exclusiveness of the gospel. Jesus said, I'm the only way. There is no other way. Anybody tries to get there is a robber and a thief, and they're not getting in anyway. But if they try even to get in another way, they are not going. This is an exclusive gospel that is only for those that have believed on Jesus. There is no other group. I don't care what anybody said, uh, and it may be in his latter years, but Billy. Graham said, "Well, I believe there's peoples never heard of Jesus, and I think they'll be there too. Well, I think he had dementia, because that's not what the Bible says, right?" Uh, They that know thy name, they believe on Jesus, and that is the only crowd uh, that is going. Now, uh, we've seen the washing of the conscience. We've seen how God uh, moved in through past the flesh and past the mere outside and dealt with the root of the problem and dealt with our inner being, made us new creatures. In verse 21 of chapter 3, he talks about that like figure uh, pointing to baptism, and that's the same thing that we have, being baptized by the Spirit uh, into one body. And then verse number 22 of chapter 3 says who talking about Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. And so he I, I, this will help us in when we deal with chapter number 4 and we look at the warfare considered it will help us in context to see how he's just ended chapter number 3. He says who who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. And so he wants them to arm their mind. That's what he starts out with in chapter 4 and verse number 1. He's going to tell them to arm their mind. And so he says that on the heels of considering where Jesus is. Jesus has all power in heaven and earth. And so uh, there's two things we need to see here. One, uh, Jesus does have the power to fix your situation. He does have the power to answer the prayers you've been praying. He has all power. All things are subject unto him, and so we're not wasting our time praying unto the Lord. He is the one that has the power to do something about that, right? Uh, We can't do anything else. There's nobody else on earth that we have confidence in. There's nobody. The Bible says this, vain is the help of man, right? I'd pay $20 in here sometimes for an amen. (laughs) Thank you Brother Ray, and seven our other. Jesus makes it awful hard sometimes. Jesus, Jesus is gone under the right hand of the Majesty on high, and He ever liveth to make intercession for us. And He has the power uh, to do anything that you need Him to do if He will do it. Uh, Of course, the will is up to Him, and we submit to that. And so we see that He has all power. But another thing we need to remember uh, is that that's where He is is where we're headed. Right, this world is not our home, and so the last days are are marked and categorized not by success but by suffering. Uh, the last days don 't point really to a, a major, large, sweeping, widespread world revival. Uh, in fact, there is one, but it 's false. Um, and it's one that's headed up by uh, the Antichrist. Uh, but, and we already know there's many Antichrists already alive now. There's just not him, uh, has not exposed himself yet. Uh, but, uh, and so the, uh, there will be a seeming revival, uh, uh, but it will be a false revival. It will be one that's headed up uh, by someone who is not the Lord Jesus. Uh, but anyhow, uh, we are living in times that are marked by suffering. That's why First Peter is so important. Uh, We know we're in the last days, and it's been the last days ever since the Lord was raised from the dead and ascended into glory. And so we know we've been in the last days, but we're in the last days of the last days. And so what marks these times is suffering. And I would have to say I have never seen in my life, and maybe I've just not been awakened to it, uh, but I have never seen such suffering, such widespread suffering uh, uh, in my lifetime. Uh, and I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about merely uh, uh, there's been times our nation's been poor financially. Uh, there's been suffering uh, before. But on such a large scale, it's like every time you wake up in the morning, there's somebody new uh, that's suffering and going through something, uh, some sort of tragedy, some sort of heartache. We're being... Uh, never have we seen, we've seen it ramped up, and it's been this way before, uh, brother, but there is a, uh, an increasing pressure uh, upon people uh, in this nation to turn on everything that's godly. Uh, if you preach and believe Jesus, they will turn on you. They already have turned on you, but it's not been socially acceptable to attack Christians and attack church, but it is now. It is socially acceptable to hate Christians and to hate church and to hate God's people. Uh, and uh, and so that will ramp up more and more. As I didn't see as a young person, it was it was okay. It was fairly accepted to be a Christian. I mean, people made fun of you a little bit. I'd say, Brother Reed, in your day, it was probably the same. I mean, if you really went all the way with God, I assume that there's always been a time people poke fun at you. But for the most part, you were fairly accepted. Churches were fairly large. Youth groups were pretty large. I mean, even lost people pretty much went to church. Everybody was seemingly religious, um, kind of like they are now. We've got uh, in the South, we've got a lot of old, old, good old boy religion, right? We've got old mountain religion, you know, well, that's what mama did and daddy did. And uh, we've, uh, we started this church and Mama started this church and we're going to be here. And there's a lot of religion uh, that's going on today, but it was fairly acceptable to be a Christian, but it's not now. It's not, it is not on a wide scale in this country, it is not acceptable, socially acceptable to stand on what this Bible teaches. Uh, If the Bible's against sin and the Bible's against certain things and we stand because we love Him, we are identified with Him, our lives in Him, we hate what He hates, we love what He loves, His enemies are our enemies, His friends are our friends, we've died to self and we're just living in Him. So it's not our opinions. what the Bible says. And because they hate Him, they'll hate you, and that is going to up. And uh, my heart, really, I don't mean to preach to the young people so much, uh, but my heart, in more and more, in our day, Brother Montgomery, we'll see uh, an attack where it's going to be harder and harder for young people uh, to serve God in their day. And so I want to look at some things here this morning that will help, hopefully, uh, will help you, will help all of us, uh, because we're going to have to make some decisions. Uh, this uh, kind of half in, half out kind of stuff, is not going to be enough. We're going to have to come to the place where we arm our minds and get ourselves ready for a battle. Uh, For as much then, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, we're looking again at the warfare that is considered. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. And so we know that this great king that's, that's now enthroned in the heavens was once made in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh and he suffered in the flesh because of sin. Right? Not his own sin. He did no sin. Uh, neither was guile found in his mouth. But he was suffering the repercussions uh, the the uh, what sin had brought into the world uh, and death by sin and he suffered all of those things. He even suffered physically. Did he not? He suffered being hungry and thirsty and the Bible said he was tempted in all points like as we are and so he was taken out into the wilderness of Satan tempted uh, to be given a kingdom that the devil didn't have power to give him in the first place uh, but uh, anyway so he went through all of those things and he lived a life in the will of God but it was a life marked by suffering everywhere he went you remember they, he was told uh, we'd be not born of fornication they said he was born of fornication uh, they said he was doing things in the power of the devil Remember that? Uh, I mean, mean, just the attacks on him uh, marked his ministry of a life, really, of suffering. And so he suffered the loss of all things Paul did in the New Testament, and so did the the apostles in their time. And then us in our time now are going to have to arm ourselves likewise with the same mind. And I mentioned this last time, but as long as we are in this flesh, as long as we are in this body of death and in this world, we are going to... To suffer from the effects of sin, right? We have to arm ourselves and be ready for that mind. Now, what does that mean? I want to look at what that means, but we got to arm ourselves and prepare our minds to be ready to accept the fact that we're going to be let down. We're going to be discouraged. We're going to let other people down. And so we can't destroy ourselves because of other people's sin, nor our own, right? And that doesn't give anybody a license to do. But it's very easy to take yourself out of the battle because of things you've done before, right? We've all experienced that. Well, God wouldn't use me. Look at where I used to be. Look at where I lived and the things that I've done and all of those things. And before, before you know it, Moses, you'll talk yourself out of letting God use you. And uh, uh, God was angered against him, was he not? The Bible says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Moses said, who made your, God said, who made your mouth anyway? But but anyhow, and so we let our own sins discourage us. Uh, we let our own place and where we are and um, uh, discourage us from doing anything for God and then we'll let others and how they fail discourage us from doing things for the Lord and uh, we can no longer do that we have to arm ourselves with the mind and the understanding that so long as we're breathing oxygen and we're walking on this earth we're going to go through suffering the cause and effects of sin we're going to go through uh, sorrow death uh, um, sicknesses pain anguish fighting uh, uh, turmoil people uh, family I don't know about you, uh, uh, family family fights and church fights. Uh, you're going to go through all those things. So just arm yourself with that mind and look to see how you can be a help during those times, not how you can get away from it. And so he says, arm yourselves with, those, with that mind. Now what mind got Jesus through all of those things? He knew when he was delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, Jesus did not get surprised when he was born into this world and think, oh man, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Right? He knew everything that he was going for. Now, he didn't know it experientially uh, because he had not come in the likeness of sinful flesh and to condemn sin in the flesh and live. There was appearances and times when he appeared, I believe, uh, before uh, his um, uh, incarnation. But, uh, but anyway, uh, maybe um, in the person of Melchizedek, being a priest in Salem, I don't know all those answers all those things. But this much I know, the Bible said he made the captain of our salvation, perfect through suffering. He had never suffered sin and the the effects of what sin brought into the world until he was born of that little virgin and was living and walking in shoe leather, and then he experienced everything you experience. So now he can be faithful and understanding what it's like to lose a loved one. He knows what that feels like. Not as a God, as a man. He knows exactly what it feels like. He knows what it feels like to suffer all of those things and be tempted as well. And uh, um, and so Jesus, uh, what got him through? Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, who endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. Now that's what he's going to go tell each and every one of us Christians right here. He's going to say, arm yourself with this mind. You're going into battle. Is that not what Jesus did? The Bible said that he resisted unto blood, striving against sin. He was in a warfare, in a battle against sin, was he not? And so you had to arm yourself with that mind. When you get saved, you're going to enter the same battle. I never battled my flesh wanting to do things until I got saved. I just did whatever I wanted to, right? (laughs) If it feels good, do it kind of thing. Unless daddy'd find out and he'd kill me, but I just figured out a way to keep him from finding out. But uh, anyhow, we, we just lived according to, um, you know, the course of this world. And all we knew was this life. We knew no other life. We knew no other satisfaction. We knew no other life that there was to live and enjoy. All we knew was the carnal mind being of the earth, earthy. And all we knew was earthly things. <laughs> and so we walked according to the course of this world, the Bible said. And uh, I had never battled against my flesh and battled against, and every day it's a battle now. And so it's a battle for us. Every day we've got to arm ourselves with this mind. I am, I am going to strive against sin. I'm going to lay aside the weights and sins that do so easily beset me and I'm going to walk and live for God today. Every single day we have to arm our mind. It gets weary. Can anybody say amen to that? Has anybody felt like just putting it on cruise control and just letting it ride on in? <laughs> I'm about tired of fighting against it. Um, things I want to do aren't as bad as what some people's doing anyway. Ever been told that lie? <laughs> before you know, and say, "Well, you know," uh, and then before you know, it, he'll just feed you one little, and all them, them little, them little bitty things will end up spoiling the whole thing. And so, anyway, and so we strive against sin, we battle against our own fleshly desires and our own fleshly lust. And then we're also battling against others. Parents, we're battling, trying to make no provision for the flesh, but not just for ours, but for the flesh of our children, are we not? Not only do we have to keep ourselves right, we've got to make sure that they walk right. Right? We've got to keep them clean. We've got to keep them from being exposed to things they shouldn't be exposed to. And when you've got five of them, that gets weary. If you, get to, if you have two of them, that gets weary. <laughs> Trying to keep up with every one of them, trying to do right, and trying to help them, and you know, you know, and all those things, and so it's just a constant, everyday battle. And if you're not careful, you'll grow weary. And where will you faint? In your feet? No, you'll grow weary and faint in your mind. And so you just start thinking, you start laying there and go, "Why am I fighting against all this stuff anyway? Why is it? It's not worth it." Anybody ever had a lie told to you that sounded like that? Amen. You're going to go to heaven anyway. Just live it up. Don't worry about it. Quit being so hard on yourself. It's not that bad. It's worse than you think. Amen. And though that little devil will lie and tell you all that stuff and try to get you to compromise and try to get you to just back off and, and relax a little bit. And that way, because he knows he can get you, just, take, just give him six, uh, an inch, give him six inches, he'll take six feet from you. And, uh, and so, uh, what what did Jesus do? Well, he endured the cross by the shame uh, for the joy that was set before him. He knew, Brother Phil, he knew that there was coming a time when all of that would end. And you and I know that too. For the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared. Right? to the things that God has for them that love him. I'm telling you, this this life of sorrow and suffering, don't get, don't get down, don't get discouraged, don't quit, don't back up, just dig in and keep on battling because it will not last forever. It is temporal. It is temporary. It is gonna come to an end. And so you have gotta arm yourself with the mind that I'm just gonna keep on fighting because the days are coming when I'm not gonna have to fight no more. And it's worth battling for. It's worth fighting for souls. It's worth it's worth denying yourself and praying for your family to be saved. It's worth denying yourself and keeping a good testimony so you can be a faithful witness. It's worth it. It's worth it to keep a good testimony for the church and not get caught up in all manners of uh, evil, uh, 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 fornication, and, and idolatry and all those things. It's worth it uh, to keep a good testimony. It's worth it to keep your family together and keep going to church and. keep worshiping God in the spirit and truth that you've worshiped him in for all of these years. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Don't quit. Don't back up. Don't give in. Don't blow out. Just dig in and keep fighting the battle against the enemy. It's worth it. It is worth serving God. I found no objective value to my life outside of God. All value to life can be subjective you can think your life has value. You can think your life has meaning. But that's, that's up to your thinking. The only objectively valuable life to live is a life lived for God. <laughs> Hitler thought his life meant something. <laughs> right? That's subjective. Well, I, think, I think my life uh, is valuable if I just do good and try to raise my family. Well, you might think that. But if you've not lived for Jesus, you've wasted your time, my friend. I'd just rather be an old-time Christian and live for God. That will add some value to your life. When you die, you'll have nothing to be ashamed of. You can, you can lift your head up and know you walked in, enter thou in, thou good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that? Well, I want to hear that one. I want to get in there, and I want him to say, well, I don't want him to say, well, you made it in barely. Boy, I feel like that a lot of times, and that may be how it be. And I'll be glad to be there. But wouldn't you like to enter in and hear him say, you yeah, oh, good and faithful servant, man." I want to. I'd like to hear those words. Oh, why? So that you can get a big pat on the back? No, because he deserves for me to live a life like that. He's, he's worthy to live for. He's worthy uh, uh, to uh, to uh, uh, put off all those old things concerning, concerning that old life. And it's worth walking in the spirit. It's worth walking holy. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. It's worth living uh, separate from sinners. It's worth living undefiled. It's worth living holy. All those things will give value and meaning to your life. Anything apart from that will add nothing when you die. The only value You held was was what what how valuable your life was to you or to me. And in the grand scheme of things, that means absolutely nothing. Boy, I hope they don't wheel my big old body down here in that extra large casket and say, Well, he was a good fella. Wouldn't that be a pitiful thing? That's that's what I had to be. Well, he's a pretty nice fella most of the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, he he's all right. I don't know. He said he's saved. I don't wouldn't that be a wouldn't that be a shame? I don't wanna be wrong. I don't know about y'all, but I w I, I wouldn't that, wouldn't it be wonderful for them to say, boy, that man loved God. He was a mess. His life was a complete mess and shame. And uh, it was a pitiful life. I wouldn't give you 10 cents for it, but God gave his own life for it. And when God saved that man, turned him around, and man, he wasn't nothing. He was a failure most areas of his life. But in his heart, that man loved God. That's what I want to do. I want to keep fighting. I don't want to let sufferings, uh, knowing that there's a time coming when we shall mount up on wings as eagles. There's a time coming. Uh, us who have fled to Jesus, for refuge in which we will no longer have to live in this sin-cursed world uh, and be uh, brought under the power of, uh, or the uh, not the power, but be brought under the the umbrella of suffering. We'll be passed on to another world wherein dwelleth righteousness and true holiness, and we won't have to worry about it anymore. (laughs) That's what I'm looking for. What about what about some of you? Uh, what, uh, here's what I, I want to mention this morning. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. He suffered for us. We should suffer with him. Right? We should, we should suffer for others. Isn't that what the Bible said? We should be willing to, I should say, I guess. Ah. Uh, Let's see here. So for the as much as Christ, arm yourself like likewise, for he that is suffering the flesh has ceased from sin. There's coming a time uh, Now now there's two things here that I want to mention: For he that is suffering the flesh uh, has ceased from sin. Now, uh, uh, I believe both of these are true. So some people will say that that's looking at the eternal. It's like I just used it. Okay, it's saying that a man that has suffered in the flesh, a man that has uh, died, who has been uh, um, uh, um, done all of his suffering as far as this world's concerned, that would be in the flesh, uh, he ceased from sin. He's uh, gone on. Those that are dead in Christ, those that are asleep in Christ now, they've ceased from sin, have they not? They don't experience sin. They don't sin themselves. They're not, they're not being hurt by your sin. They're not dealing with all the effects that sin's brought into the world. They've ceased from those things. Uh, but also, let me say this it's not just eternally, it can happen right now. That that we that, that here's what the Bible says for ye are dead. That's what the Bible says about you. And your life is hid with Christ in God. So you're dead, but you're alive. Right? We all understand that. All throughout the New Testament. uh, We are crucified with Christ, This I live, yet not I, and Christ lives in me. We know that we are dead, crucified to the world, but alive unto God. So we don't have to just wait till we get to heaven to be freed from the power and bondage of sin. We can live now in this world, in this lifetime, in the power of God, and we do no longer have to live under the dominion and power of a taskmaster. He no longer had an ounce of rule over them when they crossed that sea, buddy. Everything from then on out, they chose to do that. Nobody told them to go dance around a golden calf naked. There was no taskmaster there making them act like Egyptians. They chose to do that. The taskmaster no longer had any pull over them. Pharaoh was drowned. He was gone. He no longer had any power over them. They were free. Truly free. Free to serve God. Free to walk right. Free to read the Bible. Free to pray. Free to worship. Free to actually live in the will of God. And what did they choose? We don't know what happened to Moses. That man's gone. And they got Aaron. He got him to listen to him because he God didn't choose him. And so Aaron, we know what happened. They chose to do that. And then Moses comes back down he's angered at them and uh, all those things that happened there and so uh, there's many of them that died right there was there not? many of them didn't even make it to the edge they didn't pass they didn't even uh, get past uh, uh, Moses coming down out of the mountain the second time they just uh, died uh, right there uh, and there's people I've seen that way. They uh, sin and maybe sin unto death. Maybe they, uh, you know, maybe a, a saved person crosses that line where God's been dealing with them about something. And uh, I don't know. I think it's different for each and every one of us. I think I can leave this world early by living in such a manner in rebellion to the Lord. I believe that. I believe I've got a time appointed, that there's a time that I can. Uh, uh, how about this verse? Uh, Children, obey your parents. Right, the Lord's the first commandment with promise. Is it not that your days may be long? You can shorten your days by not living right. And uh, and so we see here two aspects of this. There's, there is the Lord that's gone into the heaven, has all power, and we are seated there now. Is that not right spiritually? And uh, we're seated there with Him in the heavenlies, and. Uh, so we can live now uh, in the same manner. Now that doesn't mean that we are not going to suffer still the effects of sin in the lives of our family members. Can I, can I say that? No man's an island to himself. Even when, I'm doing, even when I uh, get a good grip on things and I'm doing right, uh, other people's sin hurts you. Does it not? To see people you love and see people that have been raised right and know better, and see them to choose to go the wrong way, that's, that causes me some suffering. I've shed many a tears over people, uh, not just my own failures, but for theirs. Can you say amen to that? Not because I'm judging them, mad at them. I know what it's like, but, but it hurts. And so we'll suffer those kinds of things. Uh, but he that has suffered in the flesh has cease from sin. Now look at verse number two. Now I, I want to move through this quickly. And I want to see something. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh, the lust of men, to the will of God. And then, verse number three: there's the, for the time past. And so, let me just mention two things. Just talking about time in these two verses, time is mentioned twice. Look at verse number two: He no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh, to the lust of men, but to the will of God. And so, what's this verse saying? Well, I'm going to give you a summation of what I think it's actually saying, and it's true. I believe that it's talking about being made a new creature. God saved you because we just come on the heels of the washing of the conscience. You've been regenerated, you've had your conscience purged, sprinkled from an evil heart, and you're clean, and you're white as snow, and you've been made perfect in Christ Jesus, justified in heaven, and you are as saved as any man's ever been saved, and washed in the blood, and you are delivered from Egypt, and delivered from Pharaoh's rule when I believe this is Talking about here because in light of Verse number two it talked about that He should no longer live the rest of his time To the fl- in the flesh to the lust of men But to the will of God so it's not Talking about at the point that he died Physically necessarily right because It talks about he still has time to live In his flesh this person So if he still ha- for- he shall not read It with me again that he no longer Should live the rest of his time in the Flesh for he that has suffered in the flesh, that word's also been talked about being used as talking about dying. Here's what, here's what I'm saying. The Bible says, for you're no longer in the flesh, right? You're not of the flesh. You're, you're not, that's not who you are now. But you're of the spirit, right? And so these, this is talking about, what this is saying is, Jesus has all power. And he's looking and armed his mind knowing that there was a a day coming that he wouldn't have to live that way any longer. And so arm yourself with that mind and understanding and knowing this, that you would suffer in the flesh and you went through all those things in your life as a lost man, but then God saved you. And you don't have to live that way any longer. And uh, you have ceased from sin. Now what that is not saying that you have quit, completely quit sinning. Is that not what First John said? First John said, "He doesn't sin who is born of God." So is there a contradiction? There's no contradiction there, because the Bible says, if we say we have no sin, we lie to not the truth. But then John also tells us uh, that uh, he that is born of God cannot sin. There's no contradiction. It's talking about your spiritual birth. The new man inside of you cannot sin. It's impossible for him to sin because he's sealed by the person of the Holy Ghost. And so nothing that can defile him, sin can no longer enter inside to that new person that's made in the likeness of Jesus that is born again, regenerated, the new creature, the new man cannot and nor does he want to sin. The flesh does. And so what it, there's no contradiction in those statements. And so what this is saying here is you have ceased. You are no longer under the power and dominion. Sin no longer has dominion over you. People will say, well, I had no choice. The problem with that is it's not so, as Billy Mitchell would say. <laughs> you do have a choice. And not only do you have the choice, you have the power to take the better out. But you just chose not to. Right? And so, anyhow, and so um, now I, I'm giving you uh, uh, just is what I believe this verse is saying, because you've got to take in its context because he's going to go on and deal with these same Look at verse number three. Even in its context, it's not speaking uh, n- merely to that eternal, but it's speaking to the now. We don't have to live defeated uh, any longer. We don't have to live under the power and rule of sin any longer. We've been delivered from that. And so we've been delivered from the power, uh, uh, from the uh, pleasure, certainly of sin, and one day the presence of sin altogether. And so uh, he says, for he that is suffering the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Now if that's talking about a man that's going to heaven, and we're going to refer to people that are in heaven as being in the flesh, I don't think that's the wordage we'd use, Would we? Because the Bible says they're in the Spirit. So they're not in the flesh, for what is your body? It's of the what? Dust. It's of the earth. And so what is your body going to return to? For naked you come in, and naked you're going out. For you're made of dust, you brought nothing in, you're going back to the dust, right? So nobody in heaven is in this flesh, Right? The body's dead because of sin. You're not taking this thing up there. Now you'll know as you're known, and you'll be given a new one. You're not going to be an invisible floating around, you know, Casper the ghost. I, I would say other spirits can see other spirits. I would imagine that to be so. But anyway, let's not go there. And so he that is summoned of the flesh shall live no longer in his time. So there's two times mentioned here, and I gotta do this fast. I didn't even get to where I wanted to go. Uh, So there's two times mentioned here. Uh, There's the the first mention here, uh, for he, look at verse number three with me. Uh, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentile. Now, what is this saying? This is saying that there was a time when all we knew was this life, and there was a time in my life, let me just use myself, there was a time in my life that all I knew was sin. That's all I knew. I only knew one life. I had never known what it was like to live as a Christian. I only knew one life. And so it was sufficient for me just to get up and sin and do what I wanted to. That would suffice me. That would have been sufficient for me, acceptable to me. To, to wrought the will of the Gentiles, to, to, to live in excess of riot was perfectly satisfactory to me when I was a sinner. Was it to you? Until God opened your eyes and showed you the truth? You didn't seek Him. He sought you. You would have kept going the direction you were going. That's... Uh, the whole idea behind the sin nature we all, uh, all we like sheep have gone astray uh, Every one of us If we failed in one point We've broke every commandment So you're not as good as you thought you were Well I never did do drugs No uh, But according to the Bible You're a murderer and a liar and a thief and an adulterer Because you broke every commandment Just because you broke one So guess what We're all on equal ground Sins were different But we we're all just as filthy and just as vile And none of us worthy to go and so uh, it would suffice to us to have wrought the will in the Gentile. When I lived in sin, there was nothing inside of me going, hey, uh, 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 God's not pleased with you living that way. Has anybody been, uh, been saved and, and drifted away from the Lord? And there was something all along the time with you saying, you better get back to God. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Like the old black preacher said, God's going to get you. They are worried about it. God's not going to put up with this long. And they were miserable living as a Christian trying to live in sin. Miserable person trying to do that. And so uh, the time would have sufficed you to, to have wrought the will of Gentile there, were, there was a time past when, uh, when all of those things were, uh, were expected really in some ways and uh, uh, you know some of it's different a little bit based on your raising maybe your parents weren't happy with that maybe, I, maybe you didn't have parents at all you do whatever you wanted to maybe the laws were different back then and things change and they vary maybe in their nature of how they manifested themselves uh, but we were all sinners and I cannot help. I'm going somewhere with this, and I don't have time to finish it up. I know we're getting tired. Uh, but here's what, here's what I'm saying. that There was a time in your past that was marked by nothing but ugliness. There was nothing good about it. There was nothing that brought any peace to your life. No joy, no hope, nothing. You were without God and without hope in the world. And you, you had a time past uh, when all of those it was marked by nothing but sin. Look, look at that verse again. The time passes wrong in the Gentiles for us to, uh, 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 the time that has passed, where our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. I don't know about you, but I wasn't trying to draw an out of God. Right? We were just living. You may not have been guilty of all those, uh, but what it's doing is giving a general summation. It's not pointing out every sin. He's just saying, basically, we all just lived according to the world. That's all we knew. And there was a time past that what marked that time past was pretty much nothing but sin. And then he talks of another time. So why destroy yourself of the time past uh, when there is a time now and for the rest of your time? Let's look at that verse and then I've got to move on quickly. We've already gone too long. Uh, for the time past, I and we rocked in all of those sinful things, verse number four said, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them out of the same excess of right. Speaking, of, excuse me, I, I, I meant to get the first one. I, I, missed, I skipped it. Um, verse number two, that he no longer should live the rest of his time. So, Let me say this. So the time passed, and I can't do nothing about that. All that shame and the regret and all those things for that time passed. But can I tell you something? Now I'm talking about a saved man or a lost man. If you're saved and you've been saved and you messed up since you were saved and you, you did some things that you regret, some things you're ashamed of, and, and that's in the past. That's time past. Now what this is speaking of mainly here is a time past when a, when a man's lost and he walked in, uh, according to the Gentile rule. And, uh, and now he talks about, uh, but for the rest of his time, he does not long, any longer have to live uh, to the lust of men. So, I don't know what your life has been like. I don't know what sins you were guilty of. I don't know what kind of time past marks your past. I don't know all of those things, but this much I know, you can, you can figure sin into the equation, and it doesn't have to be that way any longer. Because you can live in a manner now, not to the lust of the flesh and to the lust of men, but you can live in and according to the will of God. You can do that, my friend. And you can, you can bury that shameful past and God can put that under the blood and you can walk in newness of life and you can walk in the Spirit and you can live a life pleasing to God when nobody else can. Bury all those things and start a new time. So the, the bury the past and start for the rest of your time. I don't know what I... I can't do nothing about that, but I can do something about this. I can moving forward. I am not going to live that way anymore. I'm going to live to the will of God. And so some people use that and they'll say he's talking about suffering. Because physical suffering will cause you a pause in your sinning at least for a moment. And they'll use that. I don't really think that's what they're saying. But I wouldn't argue with you on that. Because that is true. And when I get a kidney stone, I'm not thinking about doing anything wrong other than smacking somebody. Because it just makes me feel better. or start hitting people. I don't care. So I'm not saying that that's not true, but I don't think that's what that's saying here, Because if you take it in its context. Hey, you just got done talking about uh, the light figure until we're saved. We're washed. We've had this baptism. Old things are, are passed away. All things are become new. And we're washed in the blood of Jesus. And now he's saying, arm yourself because you're going to fight battle. You knew this when you got saved, but somewhere along the way you forgot it. Remember, he chose you to be a soldier. You're going to fight. There's going to be battles and suffering. And so arm yourself with that mind, knowing that it's going to end and knowing that you can enjoy yourself and have hope and joy and peace right in the midst of it. You know why? Because we're like Noah. Everybody's down here squandering and miserable and uh, they're dying and they're watching people die and they're screaming and and, and Noah's up here with his family shouting her out. Do you believe you can do that? You can see people suffering, fighting, backbiting, seeing all these things going on and you can just be shouting for Jesus if you want to. That's what he's trying to say. Right through the suffering, you've got to make a decision in your life that I am going to go on with God. I don't care. I'm talking to saved people, lost people. You're going to have to come to that place once again in your life where you say, I can't do nothing about that past, but I can do something about the future. And I am going to walk no longer this way. I am going to walk in the will of God. And and so let me just take a moment. I, I know I've been long at this. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter number eleven, uh, because uh, going the wrong direction. Good night. I'm trying to hurry. You think you're hungry? I had an apple and an orange this morning. If you think that's enough to suffice me, you're wrong. I want to do this quickly because this is important. I don't want to try to break it up to tonight. So let me just do this real quick. Look, at, I want to look at Noah. If you look at, excuse me, I want to look at uh, Moses. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll start in uh, verse number 13 just to summarize. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Boy, that stirs me up some, doesn't it? That sounds like me and you. They believe the same thing. And so when they, when they lost sight of this world, and they lost sight of the temporal, and they got their eyes on the eternal, they found out they were no longer citizens of this world. And that's going to come back to us in, the, in First Peter, because he's going to say they think it's strange. Now, let me go quickly. Uh, and so he mentions for they that say such things declaredly, plainly, that they, they clearly, plainly they seek another country. And uh, they weren't talking about the one they come from. They weren't talking about the Jewish land. They were talking about a, an eternal place. But now, Abraham, and you're going down to Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, look at verse 23. Look at where he mentions Moses. And I want to bring up just a couple of things here quickly uh, about Moses, um, because if you think about this, this is the same place that we come to uh, when you go back to First Peter, and we come to that place in our life I believe it happens many times. See, they came to this place I'm trying to do this quickly uh, They came to that place when it came to leaving Egypt, did they not? They came to that place where they were going to have to choose. You can stay here and serve the Egyptians, or you can go in, eat the Passover, put blood upon your door, and I'll deliver you from here. And they made a decision, according to that Bible, that they all decided, those that went, to apply the blood and go on out to another country. This is what the Bible said. And so they did that. And then they come to another place in their life where God deals with them, and they have to choose again. Do you want to go dancing around naked like the Egyptians taught you, or do you want to go on to this land? Well, I want to dance around and sin like the Egyptians. Okay. And they died miserable. Then they come along. We come to another place. There were several stopping points along the journey of life that they had to choose. This wasn't a salvation choice. They had to choose to go on further with God. And we come along those times and periods in our life as Christians when I have been brought to several crossroads in my life where I was going to have to choose. Do you want your own way or do you want to go with God? Abraham did that several times in his life. He was he was accounted righteous in Genesis 15, but he had several experiences in his life where he had to choose to go one way or the other. You can go as far with God as you want to. So you may be saved, and God's brought you to another place in your life where you've got to decide: is this worth suffering for, or am I going to back up? Am I going to kind of give in? Am I going to slack off? That's what he's talking about. You're going to suffer. He's been dealing with these suffering pilgrims the entire chapter, the entire book and so he comes to another place in his life in Hebrews chapter 11 Moses comes to another place right here and it says that Moses chose some things and rejected some things and so quickly I'm going to mention them to you quickly and I won't preach them to you I promise but number one in Hebrews chapter 11 by faith Moses when he was born was held three months of his parents but then in verse number 24 the Bible says by faith Moses when he was come to years young people let me, I'm going to zero in on you and then we're going home. And this is really for anybody here. But I just had them on my heart when I was seeing this. Let me, let me talk to you just a moment. Moses' parents had faith. They didn't fear the commandment. Right? And so that same thing, he was raised an Egyptian. He was raised, he saw both lives. He could still see his brethren, he could still see how his mama lived, he had the midwives that believed God, but he also tasted what it was like to be an Egyptian. He was a man in the middle of two worlds, and many of you young people are that way. You spend very little time at church on average, most of your time, especially if you're in public school, is going to be spent out with, amongst Egyptians. And so Moses was still able to make the right decision. So here's what Moses did. did. He didn't do it because mama said it. He didn't do it because daddy said it. He didn't do it because a preacher said it merely. He did it because it was in his heart. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, I pray for all of you young people, when you come to years, when you come to that place where it's your own decision, that you will choose to go on with God. Because what a lot of young people do is they're doing what they have to do and then we are watching them before our very eyes choose everything they know is wrong. Everything they've been taught against. They're walking contrary to it all. Because when they were come to years, it was never in their heart to do it. They were biding their time. I wonder how many of you young people are sitting here this morning that you're biding your time. Just can't wait to get out. You know in your heart, you know it. I'm watching them right now, some of them do it. You know it's not in your heart to do it. And you know as soon as you get free or what you think's free, you know the direction you're headed because that's the direction you take any time you're given the choice to take it. Now, let me focus in here. Here's what had to happen on his own. Which you young people split up on me. Now I got to preach all over the place. It used to be right here. So Moses, on his own, when he came to a certain place in his life, at a time when no longer it was mommy, no longer it was anybody else, it was between him and God, he made a decision. I want to tell you young people something. You're going to have to come to that place where you make your own decision. Amen. And some of you, it's coming soon. You're getting to that age where you're going to have to make your own decision of whether you want to go with Egypt and the Egyptians or you're going to choose God's way. And I want to show you the decision that this man Moses made and I want to show you on the basis of which he made this decision to go with God, not go with Mommy. You didn't hear nothing about Mommy right here. By faith, Moses... Now, Mommy played a big part. Mamas, I'm not attacking you, okay? Mama, he saw faith in Mommy. But it wasn't Mommy's religion. It got him in. God has no grandchildren. Nobody's getting in on mama's coattail. Right? Amen. Now sit them down and listen up here. Look here. I'm, gonna, I'm almost done, I promise. So Moses, here's what it said. I want you to follow with me real quick, and then we'll go, go eat. So If you don't listen quick, we can't eat. Now Moses... Uh, by faith, Moses, when, uh, excuse me, uh, in verse number 24, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, uh, I'm not going to preach these. I'm going to mention them quick. In verse number 24, you see that he refused position. Okay? He refused position, and he chose people. The people of God. So he chose, rather, to suffer affliction rather than to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. See, you young people, can I say something? There is a pull at you to want to fit in. Nobody wants to be weird. Nobody wants to be strange. It's hard to be the one that everybody looks at and go, I wonder if she's a Mormon or if she's a Jehovah's Witness or is she a Mennonite? Or what is she wearing that skirt around? That's what the world does to you, do they not? It's not fun feeling like you're weird, young man. For not laughing at dirty jokes and and going about, you know, like the world does. That's not fun. You are going to be considered weird. It's been going on since the time of Moses. They didn't understand Moses. Who would refuse to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter during this time? Who would refuse that position and choose rather to just suffer with God's people? Who in their right mind would choose that? A man like Moses by faith. Faith will choose God. And so he refused to fit in. It would have been easier to just fit in with the Egyptians, would it not? Nobody laughing at you. Nobody making fun of you. Look at them silly people, that little thing on their head, and they all dress weird. That's what it would have been like at that time. You've got to get it in your heart. And so he refused that position and chose, rather, the people of God. Now, that's difficult to do a lot of times. But it's the same thing. You young people are going to have to make that decision, that same decision. I would rather just suffer right alongside God's people than live 10 minutes out here being accepted by these bunch of devils that hate God. I'd rather just be right in here suffering with you fine people, living for Jesus. He he came to a point he had to make that decision. I'm either going to choose position and popularity or I'm just going to choose the people of God and he chose God's people. And we're not going to go to it because we've got to go home. But it said he looked out and here here he was, this great Egyptian, been raised and schooled in the ways of the Egyptians. Here are all his things that he wanted to have and could have had, but yet he looked out and he saw his people and something touched his heart that made him say, "I I want to be with my people. There's something in his heart that touched him. He didn't look at him and go, man, I'm kind of ashamed to be identified with that bunch. They're kind of weird, and I see them out to eat, and it's like, hey, some weirdos with their dresses on. No, he saw God's people, and he chose them over what any popularity that Pharaoh could give him being an Egyptian. You're going to have to choose the same thing. Are you listening? There's going to have to come on your own. Us parents have already chose it for you. Guess what? Newsflash. You ain't hanging out with the Egyptians when you're on my watch eating my food. Does that sound hateful, Mr. Herman? You're not going to eat my food sleep in my bed and drive my vehicles and my gas insurance and talking on my cell phone and do it with a bunch of Egyptians acting like an Egyptian. Now, you can act like an Egyptian when you get old enough, but you'll do it on your own dime. Woo! That make me a bad parent, Hunter? No. It means I love you because the Egyptians will ruin you. I've been there. I know. So he chose rather the position. Okay, he, he refused that position and he chose rather the people of God. And so I want to ask you, are you satisfied? Are you, are you happy to just be with God's people? Or would you rather be popular and have positions in Egypt? Be honest with yourself. Are you ashamed of other people in church? Are you ashamed to tell people where you go? How you dress? What you think? what they? Come on now. You got to answer that yourself. Now we gotta go on to the next one. So he refused position. Man, I've forgotten it. I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. I promise you. I usually don't do this to you. He refused pleasure. Look at verse number 25. So here's what happens it comes to a young person's heart. But older people, now we don't get to skip out on this because we come to this same place in our life. Moses, Moses uh, here, I'm using this. I want to talk to these young people in just a second. But all of us have come to that same place. Oh, because of the suffering, we're going to look at that and choose pleasure, rather? I, 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 I've been faced with that. It's easier to just kind of turn Netflix on and quit fighting all these battles. Somebody at least say amen They don't act like you don't know what Netflix is. Come on now. Some of your ones might not. Turn on the TV, whatever. Uh, and that's easier than fighting all these battles. And so here's what Moses chose. For knowing exactly what he was going to go through, he, he refused position, he chose God's people, and then he refuses, uh, he refuses pleasure and chooses persecution. This is what 1 Peter's talking about. This is what you're going to have. If you choose to go with God's people, you're going to suffer right alongside the rest of us. It's not going to be a party and a big. It's going to be suffering. It's going to be persecution and it's going to get worse. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to poke fun. They're going to, there's going to be all kinds of persecution come your way. And, and you've got to look at it at some point and say, uh, uh, do I want uh, to, to have position and popularity and pleasure or do I want to just go along with God's people and suffer alongside God's people? Which is it this morning? Young people, which is it? In your heart. you got to be faced with that. Moses chose, rather, to suffer. He chose persecution. And now look at the last one, and I promise I'm done. This is the last one. He refused prosperity. And in verse number 26, he refused prosperity, and he chose promises. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Read verse 27, and we're going to see how he did it. He refused prosperity and he chose rather the promises. Remember we just read about those promises. I'm not going to guarantee you your best life now if you choose God. I'm telling you you're going to suffer with God's people. You're going to get persecution. You're going to be made fun of. You're not going to, you probably won't get rich serving God in the sense of down here. But you'll be rich over there. See he chose the future. He chose the promise not having obtained it yet. Aren't, don't we? Whereby giving unto 16 great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers. So you and me also, we have promises that if we'll endure affliction as a good soldier, if we'll suffer doing right, we have a reward coming unto us. So we choose rather than to have the reward here, we would rather have the reward over there. So I'll just suffer with God's people. What about you? Do you, you want to enjoy the pleasures with everybody else and go on and watch the rest of us fight the battles? Or do you want to get in here and dig in and suffer alongside God's people? Man, how did he do it? Look how he did it. I'm done. All by faith. Look at verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt. <laughs> You're going to have to do that. Hey, look up here, young people. You're gonna have to let go. Of, you're gonna have to let go of Egypt. You got to turn loose of it, completely cut loose of it. You're gonna to have to cut loose of it on Instagram. Hello. You got to, to cut loose of it on Snapchat. You to have to cut loose when it comes to your boyfriend or girlfriend. You're gonna to have to cut loose with Egypt. You're gonna to have to clean cut loose and let God take over and just suffer with God's people. And here's how he did it. Here's how he did it. He didn't. Now he had something in his heart that, that loved God's people. There's something that was drawing him to that. But that's not what made him make this decision. You know know what helped him make this decision? Brother Reed, you know what helped him? Look at this. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And so you know what he did? I'm sorry to do that to you this morning. But by faith he saw the person of Christ. He saw him that's invisible. Say, Moses did? Oh, yeah. Moses even foretold of the coming king. It just said he forsook, esteeming the reproaches of Christ. How did he know about Christ? Well, anyhow, you know what he did? You're not going to have to look at. You're not going to be able to look at the church necessarily. You're not going to be able to to look at your other brothers and sisters. You're not going to be able to look at your mom and dad necessarily or the preacher. You're going to have to look unto him who is invisible and seeing him, it's worth enduring all this suffering. And I'm telling you, I knew no other life but, uh, but that old life. But now having experienced the new life in Christ and all those riches, I can tell you for a fire, it is worth enduring to the end. It is worth going through all those. Anything you think you might lose here, it's worth it. I'm telling you, when you get over there, it'll be worth it. So you young people, and it, now any of us this morning, but you young people especially, you've got to keep those things in mind. When that enemy starts pulling at you saying, well, wouldn't you like to be popular? Wouldn't you like to just be fit in? I'm tired of being a weirdo. I know those thoughts come into your mind. I know how the enemy works. Uh, uh, but don't you want patted pat it on the back? Don't you want to enjoy life for a little bit? Everybody over here seems so miserable. You know, when he, when he, when he looked at those Israelites, he didn't see a bunch that was shouting, praising God and singing glory land. He saw the misery and the bondage that they were in. And he chose rather than to say, "Huh, I don't want that. I want this life. These Egyptians are living it up. He looked at them and he saw and he decided that he wanted to deliver them. He wanted to be a help to them. So when the the enemy's telling you, "Well, it must not mean much because look at all the misery and look at all the pain," it seems like the world's having funner. Don't don't think like that because look, even if that were so and we were miserable, there ought to be a love in your heart that wants to help us that are miserable. (laughs) Life brings some misery. (laughs) Just look at it. Look at it as as the Bible said Moses did. Who looked at it from? uh, I wrote this down. Can I can I tell it to you? He said this. Uh, boy we didn't get to these uh, let's see I've got to, oh I'll never get to it I've got to go home Tozer, Tozer said I wrote it I think I wrote it in my Bible I think it's written in my Bible is why I can't find it but he chose the imperishable seeing the invisible and did the impossible I think that's the way Tozer put it and you young people can do the same thing you need to choose the imperishable by seeing him that's invisible and choose rather God and His people. And I, it'll be worth it. Okay? I love you this morning. Lord, thank you for the for the message. Thank you for the help you are to our soul. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the times you even bring us to this place in our life where we can choose and make decisions. And But I want to pray especially, especially for our young people. That They won't let all the misery of the Israelites nor the pleasure of the Egyptians sway them in their decision to follow God. Have them help them, please, just to look unto Jesus. We love you. Help any soul that's struggling this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We'll have a song. Just bow your head coach. i stand for a minute, if you would, please. Stretch your legs. And if you need to come, we'll give you a verse. You come on.